Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. Oh, I didn't have another thing prepared, so I guess I'm Will J. Jonah Johnson again. Again, it was just five minutes ago. We just but I'm from a multiverse, so I'm a different one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're damn glad to have three wills or just all of you folks, but ladies and gentlemen, oh, this God. is all for tantrum's sake. <laughs> Where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate in the end. We encourage you all to love what you love, but for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. We are welcoming back Rachel S., our Spider-Man extraordinaire aficionado, to close out our retrospective with the Tom Holland universe of Spider-Man leading up to Far From Home. Rachel, say hi to No the way home. No way home. No way home? I don't know what the fuck it's called. Far, far from home was the last one. That one sucked. We'll they, talk they, about they it, too. It's confusing home in the title. It's very confusing. Hi, it is. <laughs> it's getting very confusing. Um, I, and I know I should have brought this up in the... Uh, uh, I'm starting to get all mixed up. It's a multiverse. The Maguire episode that we did. Um, but I've always... We were talking about how you know we think that... Uh, you think Defoe is too much and i think he's perfect i have been waiting like i think rachel mentioned on that episode that like spider-man and all those movies are very memeable i Mm. i don't want to come across this situation but Mm. because it'll mean like i've lost my job or something but like (laughs) i i've always wanted to get to a moment where like uh like i'm being fired or something or i'm being taken off a thing like let's say they said like okay you can't coach soccer anymore at school and I would just have that Defoe moment where I smile and then I go, do you know what I've sacrificed? Like, I just want to know, like, I want to have one of those Defoe moments oh, where like, man. I just, where I just go, do you know what I've sacrificed? Like, like, just want to do like, like that, one of those. I've always, I've been dying to have one of those career moments like that. And I've always wanted to be called a loose cannon by a boss. Like you're, you're a loose cannon Johnson. I've always wanted to be called that. See, but, I want to have a job interview where I'm like stepbrothers with Will Ferrell and a buddy of mine. We're like, hello, miss lady. And we show up in tuxes and stuff. That's what I want. All right. So, folks, we're going to go through the Holland series here leading up to No Way Home. Did I get it right this time? Cool. The Lover, where I have Rachel, our guest, of course, open this up again. She did a great job the last three times we did this, four times we did this. It's been a multiverse. Who knows? But she's going to get five uninterrupted minutes to shower her praise and state her high-minded case for all things Tom Holland. The Second lover is guaranteed to be the Marvel show, Will Johnson. He's going to follow with his five underrepresented. You'll be surprised. Oh, then we'll see. He says he's got some stuff, but I don't believe him. Anyway, we've got, he's going to have some counterpoints. He's going to have some love points. He's going to have a little bit of anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. Scorch a little earth. Maybe not. Maybe we'll sow. I guess I'll be the hater and last guy again, but at the same time, uh, I'll throw five, my five minutes in and see where we all go. After that, we'll do some shared discussion where we kind of really have the hissy fit get chippy and well, make some predictions for well, the big I thing coming. Clarify first. Yeah. Now, when we talked about because it is different, this is a universe now. We're talking about it's, the MCU. So uh-huh. when we talked about when we talked about the Maguire verse or the Raimi verse. Uh-huh. We didn't really go film by film. We just kind of talked about that universe. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about Holland, are we including Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame? Are we including I, all that into it? I mean, we can. I how you spend your five minutes, kids. I, whatever you. Okay, want no, to do. I just I just want to know it because I I think that the way I think the it's MCU, okay to go there because the way the MCU is built, like yeah, you could you could watch Homecoming and get that opening where 
you know, like I, I've shown it to somebody who hadn't seen Civil War and they, they might have been like, well, what the hell is Captain America doing for 10 seconds in that opening sequence? Right. But you but like that's the way the MCU works is you can come in and get episodes uh, and you get more benefit from seeing more stuff. And but mm-hmm. I, I feel like the arc of Tom Holland's Spider-Man starts in Civil War. It's not in I his first that. movie. So, yeah, exactly. Let, I think rule on the table is included all right. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. that. Got it. Check. Look at hit a bell early just for that. Okay. Rachel, (laughs) lead us off for five. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Tom Holland, Spider-Man, MCU. I guess like the main thing with that is if we're starting with Civil War, is man, like I remember when that trailer came out and we got that like little glimpse of Spider-Man like still in Captain America's shield and it was like the internet lost its mind. Um, But I did have my reservations because at this point I hadn't watched any of the Andrew Garfield movies because I just watched them this year. Sorry, I'm late. Um, But it's kind of like, okay, so Marvel's going to introduce Spider-Man in a really important movie and he's not going to have any movies yet. But then I was also like, well, we also got stuck with Ed Norton's Hulk, but then we ended up with Mark Ruffalo. Thank God. We love Mark Ruffalo. We stand Mark Ruffalo in this house. Um, So um, I was kind of like, maybe they're learning from their Hulk mistakes and we'll get some Spider-Man movies that will be good question mark question mark um obviously the minute that you know tom holland came on the screen fandom in general was like he is a precious cinnamon roll and he must be protected and then you know we got we got him in infinity war and endgame and you know he got his own films and generally like i love him i think he's great i you know now we've got like the quote-unquote youngest um you know kind of spider-man unless we're talking about into the spider-verse which is different um but like he's just he has that peter parker thing he's very joyous he's kind of rough around the edges but like not jaded um he always means well um he definitely shows his age like the i mean the reference in you know civil war where he's like hey you know that old movie and like he's talking about like star wars and you're just like oh my god this this child please protect this child um so the fact that you know like all of these movies are leading up to no way home um where we're gonna get you know hopefully other spider men coming in through you know the multiverse of madness and whatnot is really exciting to me because he i i think the fact that he is so young you know he's kind of had to like ease into kind of all these problems and you know like Obviously, the main one is, like, do we tell MJ? Do we not tell MJ? And then, you know, obviously the fallout from Endgame is him dealing with Tony Stark's death and his role in that. Because the whole reason that Tony Stark just decided that he wanted to help was he looked at that damn picture of, you know, him and Peter Parker at something. And, you know, it just it made it all come back. So, yeah, like, I I think, you know, like, if I'm rating different spider-man um i think it's toby mcguire tom holland and then andrew garfield for me um i think i think one of the strengths with tom's performance is that he really does care about this character because he was a fan when he was a smaller child than he is now i mean like what is he in his 20s now um 
And I think the other thing is like he's a dancer, so he has like this autonomy with his body that I feel like in the Sony films, you know that that's CG. But like now that we have like these motion capture suits and everything, I feel like they're doing. I feel like he kind of lends himself to where he is doing these like really spidey, weird kind of dancery things with his body, and I appreciate that from a performance perspective. Um, otherwise, he's just like he's just a joy to watch. Um, and he's, he's had some interesting baddies. Like, I mean, his first movie he had, I mean, Michael Keaton, my God, what can we say about Michael Keaton other than it's Michael Keaton. And then second one, you know, we get Jake Gyllenhaal, although he's a scarf stealer and we don't stand him in this house. Um, I will help you sigh that shit. Come on. Come on. on. Get over, get over it. Shake it off. Uh, uh, um, oh no way i i mean i do love donnie darko but you know uh you, you and you've got jake gyllenhaal doing like a really kind of camp type villain like we saw with william defoe which i also appreciate so he's definitely his series definitely has like the potential and is up there for me so i mean i i'm i'm down with tom holland i mean like i'm hopefully going to go to the theater to see this movie instead of waiting for it to come out on Disney plus. So mm. what I got. You're right Don, there. You're right Don, there. Do, do me a favor for our general discussion portion. Okay. Remind me of him and remind, say, say Tom Holland and the Fred Astaire thing. Cause there's something you commented on and I commented mm. on, I think Rachel commented on. Yes. And I think we'll have an effect on that, but we'll talk about that later. But, okay. So, Okay, so am, am I going? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So here's the thing. It, it, I have a. I'm not going to say love hate. I'm going to say love frustration with uh, Spider Man uh, in the MCU. Uh, so here's here's the things that I like. The acting is superb. Um, uh, he's a great actor, you know. Uh, and I think him and Downey Jr. are great together, and that that helps because this is one of my complaints is that they have made Spider-Man so attached to Iron Man that it works in the little arc that you get, you get civil war, homecoming, infinity war, Endgame. that has a very good arc to it that pays off, you know, because by the time, you know, you, you know, you're going from, you know, here's a, hey, under ruse, you know, and he's just kind of helping out. And then you're getting like him finding his own, you know, uh, adventure, you know, making himself Spider-Man without help and then being dusted and then coming back. Like, it's a great arc. But the main problem I have is that at that point, it reminds me, this might be a weird reference, but I don't know if any of you guys are X-Files fans out there. Um, I loved Mulder. I love David Duchovny. He's one of my favorite actors. I think he's great. Um, when he left the show uh, at the end of season seven, and he kind of came back sparingly in season eight, I was like, okay, that's fine. He's still there, so you can still have his presence there. What happened was, is when the actor left completely after season eight, they made all of season nine about him, even though he's not even there anymore. And that was my main issue is that I think that with Spider-Man Civil War, you got just enough of them to, to set him up. And then you get uh, a great first movie. I think Homecoming is a wonderful film. It's funny. It's heartwarming. 
Uh, it has thrills. It has twists. It's a great film. So I'm like off to a great start, right? So then you get the Infinity War Endgame angle. And great story. I mean, who did not cry at the first viewing of I Don't Feel So Good, Mr. Stark? Like, that was brutal. Like, that was brutality on screen. Like, that was horrifying. And then, of course, when he comes back and he hugs him, I mean, like, I was, I was in tears in the theater. I was like, oh, my God, they get to hug each other again. You know what I mean? So the problem is, is like season nine of the X-Files, like Far From Home, which I think is one of the worst MCU films. Um, I like Jake Gyllenhaal in it. I like some of the special effects. I like I like Tom Holland in it and Zendaya. They're cute. But a really messed up film. And a lot of that is because they're still connecting him to Tony Stark. I do not like the Iron Spider outfit. It's too much Iron Man. The reason why I loved Homecoming is because... They at the end of that movie, Tony Stark teaches him the the essentially the with great power uh, lesson by saying, "If you think you're just the suit, you don't deserve the suit," and that forced Spider Man to go and go back to his old suit that he was you know fighting crime in in New York City, you know, and it made him fight the Vulture and almost die. For a cause, and he did it without the special tech. He did it without Iron Man. He did it himself because it was his responsibility. They even have that wonderful moment in Homecoming that replicates uh, one of those great Ditko drawings in the book where he's lifting up the stuff from the rubble, you know? And it's just, it's just like they <coughs> can't get this kid out of Tony Stark's shadow. And... Another thing we mentioned that drives me a little bit nuts, and I think I mentioned this off screen, or I think I talked about this in the last episode, but like my dad's not like a real big MCU guy, but I showed him Infinity War because it was a huge event, right? And at one point he's like, why the hell is Spider-Man in space? You know? And it's, I understand. I mean, there, there's a reason why horror franchises, when they run out of ideas like Leprechaun 4 or Critters 4 or Jason X, they go to space like, they got Spider-Man in space real quick. And I think Don was talking about how that kind of ruins the allure a little bit of the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You know, because now he's in space. And they even make a joke about that in Far From Home, where, like, Nick Fury's like, bitch, you've been to space. Like, I think that we went way too far with him. I, I think that hopefully with No Way Home, by maybe introducing these other Spider-Men, this will maybe ground him again, which I know is impossible to think of because we're going to have like 900 villains and 17 different universes. But I think the point is that they need to get back to grounding Spider-Man. So that's my thing. Nicely done. Nicely done. No, I, I admit I'm going to, I'm going to pile a lot on that. I think, I think he was introduced like others have said, perfectly you know young kid in the young spot skip the origin story everybody knows the origin of spider-man we do not need to kill uncle ben for a third time and just hop right into it you've obviously you know youngified him for for the time you need him to be although it's tricky because if you're gonna I, I, not to put my ponytail on and be the comic book salesman from the simpsons but the spider-man who is very tempted to reveal himself to the world in the civil war comic book is your is your 27 year old Spider-Man who's been, you know, I'm my, my name's Peter Parker. I've been Spider-Man since I was 16 years old kind of thing. And he's that high school science teacher, whatever he is at that point. And when he meets Tony and he gets and all that iron spider stuff happens to veteran Spider-Man, not young kid Spider-Man. And I'm with you, Will. 
they they have tied him too much to Tony. It, it's it was nice as a nice usher and 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 gateway to get him in to meet to the MCU and give a little bit of shorthand and a little bit of Uncle Ben substitute. But at the same time, yeah, you you do lose along the way. You've done you've done too much and blown him up too big, where it's difficult to bring him back to being friendly neighborhood Spider Man. I I thought they did enough with well, well yeah. Be, from between civil war and homecoming it was right where you needed it to be like you said a high school movie for a high school kid um i think he's been the best balanced actor of the three we've had at playing this part where i know i'll say it like this i think tom holland is the best actor doing spider-man maybe his movies aren't the best like i would love to do some crazy swapping and here we are with multiverses like if Holland was in the Maguire movies, high school kid playing a high school kid and not the 27 year old Tobey Maguire, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And I think that'd be a lot. I think it'd be pretty good. And I, I'd still put him there right next to Kirsten Dunst because Kirsten Dunst was 19 making that movie. And I think those two, as I know, I can't put that time travel machine on, but that would be a cool casting combination as, as those there because Zendaya doing the MJ thing is kind of like, I, I know she's a, a dominant presence in, in what she can be in in a, in a good in a good strong female character personality, but her her general indifference, which I know is her character, just isn't. It's hard to get romanticized by it. Like I I know she has an allure of what she is and in her smarts or what's alluring, but yeah, it, it she's she becomes then also a street level romantic interest to a character who has, yeah, bet you've been to space. I'm with Will. They've, they've brought this character too far too quickly. And I know I, it's a hard, it's weird to say the words too quickly because we're on our third movie and it's, and obviously they're going, you know, and their prospects are that he's going some places that can, can change where he is and, 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 and mature him a little further than the high school kid. But even with that blip, you felt like, oh, great, they send him right back to high school. Like five years later, like we're we're really going to be stuck there for a long time. And then, the, yeah, the space part is hard. I, I'm with your dad. You know why? Why Spider Man in space? So it's when he's a street level hero, Tom Holland does him really, really well. When he's not a street level hero and he has to go do big things, he's affable. He's wonderful, and the connection to Tony is good. But um, with Will again, you 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 got to cut that umbilical or <laughs> bury that guy and move on. And Far From Home was not the movie to do that because it was still kind of the Tony glasses and the silliness there. I think the European thing is the excuse of we need to give him something bigger to do because he's gone out and done bigger things. Well, let's go international and send him to swing in London and all that. And and then, of course, the, the Venice stuff. And it's just it's too much. It's 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 not Spider-Man International Man of Mystery either. So I I, I do have those hopes where if this new movie can bring him back to New York and, and push a lot of New York on him and push a lot of different characters and whatever pieces of the past that make this character what it is, because yeah, that, that Alfred Molina tease that's there in the trailers that, and I haven't watched, but I know, you know, just the ideas of what I've heard from everybody else is if the, if the intimacy that Molina has with the Peter Parker character that he knows gets applied to Tom Holland, that's some really good potential because Tom got a taste of that with the vulture and Michael Keaton. And if we can push more of that, that's some dramatic heft. That's some, I know we keep saying the word street level, but that's some intimate small things that are super duper important for the here and now of what that character is. What I worry about 
and this is my closing time here because I know my time is up. What my worry is you've outed him for the world. Good luck fixing that. I'm sure it's just going to be some dumbass loophole where like we're going to have a mind erasing kiss from Superman two or something, or the world's going to get spun around enough where like, Oh, that didn't really happen yet. It was, you know, baited and thrown and chucked in there like crazy. So now that he's outed, which if you're playing the comic book salesman from the Simpsons card again, should have happened in civil war to a veteran Spider-Man. This is a weird time to do it. And then the next thing that scares me and I'll go over time just a shade is, is venom, you know, Tom Hardy's on the way and you've got this boob, of a venom coming over here who should be the baddest motherfucker <laughs> in the room. So I don't know how he exits this new movie and gets launched into venom. Watch Tom Hardy show up in this movie just for shits and giggles to make everyone go crazy. And I, yeah, I, I don't know where they're going and I'm, and I'm scared, but Tom is really good and I like it to a degree, but I don't know. All right, hold on. We will break for a short announcement from our non-corporate partners and friends, and we'll bring this conversation right back here. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at ruminationsradionetwork.com. All right, folks, open it up. Well, I mean, if you want to know something that uh, the comics did when they addressed um, the forgetting the identity thing, uh, it was probably one of the most hated runs in Spider-Man comic history. Was it the Clone War thing with Ben Riley? No, 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 no. It was the it was the brand new day, and it was basically like Mephisto. Uh, he basically like basically uh, I think it was called I think the first I don't comic guys are probably screaming at me right now but I think one was called one more day and then it was called brand new day was the new arc one more day was Mary Jane or not Mary Jane sorry Aunt May got like sniped on accident someone was trying to kill Spider-Man and like like Aunt May got clipped by like a gun and she's about to die and Spider-Man basically makes a bet with Mephisto like save Aunt May and then uh, Mephisto's deal is like, well, if you live your life like you were never married to Mary Jane and oh, no man. no one knows your name anymore. Yeah, I remember and, hearing about this. So, so then it became Brand New Day and they just continued the story as if Norman Osborn was still alive. Uh, Mary oh, Jane didn't man. know who Spider-Man was. Peter Parker was still a secret identity. They introduced some terrible villains like... It was an awful series, and I know that it was universally hated. So, mm-hmm. if they're going to go with that, I don't know. No. But uh, that's how what it looks like they're doing by Doctor Strange casting the spell. But I, I remember Rachel saying something interesting, and and if it was you, please elaborate on it. But I think you were saying something about how like this could be like a strange, it's a wonderful life thing. Yeah, Is that what yeah. So that was that was a theory. I'd love to read the fan theories in the trailer. Um, comment sections on youtube because i'm that person but someone had this theory that like like dr strange isn't actually casting like like he doesn't actually mess up the spell it's like he's doing it on purpose to teach peter a lesson Mm. because it's like all of the and like maybe like 
this coincides with what happened at the end of WandaVision and then at the end of Loki, and that's how like everything's gonna break open and that's yeah. how all the other Spider-Men come through, rather than it just be like Stephen Strange. Like at the like Stephen Strange saw every possible outcome for endgame how is he gonna mess up a spell like it doesn't yeah. make sense like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't track so someone was like he's doing it on purpose to like show peter like why the world needs him and and why it's okay like if people know who he actually is i guess hmm. um which i'm kind of like well it does come out at christmas and you know i know i know hawkeye's kind of doing the christmas thing but i'm like hey i'll you know i'll, I'll take a christmas spider-man movie so like they're basically saying like you know basically they're going to show him the options and then he's going to decide oh well i'm gonna be spider-man and peter parker and everyone can just deal with it kind of would be and i know that don doesn't like trailers but what i will tell you about tra- well not only do marvel trailers notoriously put in footage that doesn't even exist like they'll they film lie. stuff just for trailers they, they lie mm-hmm. but but I, you know, usually when you watch a trailer, you can kind of tell like when they're telegraphing the whole movie and you're like, well, I know what everything's about. Mm -hmm. These Spider-Man trailers, with the exception of like a shot of Jamie Foxx here or a Willem Dafoe here, they're pretty much only showing the same like two minutes of footage in every trailer. Yeah. So there is literally two hours and 27 more minutes of footage that we do not know what's (sighs) going on. Good Lord, hire an editor. So, no, that's (laughs) fine. But I'm just saying like, you say they spoil too much in the trailers. They're just like, I think Marvel just plays a whole different game with these trailer things, man. It just, I, and it's a game I don't want to be a part of. I'm just spoiling We're not going to get, into, not gonna get into that garbage. But, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I want to talk about um, Tom Holland for a minute. Um, okay. Do you guys remember, I think we're all relatively the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Ben Affleck, you know, uh, stars in a bunch of indie comedies. Um, you know, the Kevin Smith films and mm-hmm. uh, does a couple of things. And, you know, he's a charming character. Goodwill Hunting is a charming kind of character, actor. He's got some comedic chops and everything. And then somebody in a studio just said, Ben Affleck, action star? Mm-hmm. And if you remember, Ben Affleck went through like this five-year period where like Armageddon and Paycheck and all this stuff yep. where they were like, let's sell Ben Affleck the action star. Oh yeah, and that and that's what kind of tanked his career for a while because he just made these horrible choices and they forced him into these terrible things. Um, I see the same thing happening to Holland. To be honest with you, um, I do too. I think that you know, I like what Rachel said. He's got he's a pumpkin cinnamon roll or whatever. Like you have to protect him. Precious cinnamon roll. Yeah, love that term. You know, he you know he has to be protected. I get that. That makes total sense. And I think. And we're seeing this with a lot of MCU stars uh, that are, that originated in the MCU. Because uh, I know that Tom Holland was around, and I know Chris Hemsworth was around. But, like, the Chris Hemsworth thing, they they really tried to push him as, like, a prestige movie star for a while. They put him in Michael Mann films, Ron Howard mm-hmm. films. They put him in yeah. all this stuff. Just never worked. Then they tried to go with his Comedic comedy stuff. stuff yeah. Like, they went with Ghostbusters and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it just, nothing really hit outside of the Marvel thing. And I think that's why he's staying in it. Like everyone else is getting out, he's staying in. Yeah. Look at and that's Chris because Pratt they, too. Yeah, they, they tried to to get him in there. Um, Chris Pratt is a great example too of the Ben Affleck mm-hmm. thing where you get, like there was one line in Jurassic World that had me busting out laughing because it was a Chris Prattism. 
But other than that, like they give him no sense of humor. No, like they say, let's take what we know about him and make him an action star. Yeah, and there's and uh, and if anyone wants to know what that line was, it makes me laugh every time just thinking about it. But it's like, it's the line where she's like, Bryce Dallas Howard is like, can you um, can you like trace like the footsteps or something? He's like, I I trained in the Marines, not not with a Navajo, which I think is a great Chris Pratt line. <laughs> but other but other than that, like it's you know he has uh-huh. no sense of humor in that movie. So I guess my point is is like. Holland, you know, they, the Russos give him a shot, give him a, like a prestige drama thing. Cherry, I liked oh, you. didn't really like it. Did um, you didn't buy him as an actor that way. Nope. Uh, now they're starting to do like, first he did, uh, what was the, um, what was the one he did with uh, the girl from Daisy Ridley? What was that one called? Oh, um, kind of straight to DVD. It, it bombed. It I mean, some, it was in the theater, yeah. but it was a co- it was a COVID casualty for sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you yeah, mean. I can't. Like they they tried to get him in the YA action, and now they're trying mm-hmm. to put him in Uncharted, and they're mm-hmm. you know they're trying to, and then in Cherry they're trying to make him tougher and stuff like this. I think that he is so good <laughs> at being the cute little cinnamon roll. Yep. That mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be able to escape that because, and this is what I wanted you to remind me of, he recently, we just heard news or whenever that we recorded this on the 6th yeah. of December, that he's going to be cast as Fred Astaire. And I, mm-hmm. I know, Don, you've been making the rounds on this. You're like, physicality, he's got it. But does got he it. have the adult? Does mm-hmm. he does he I have the, ability the adult to charm? Be adult, the adult charm. Yeah. And it's, I wonder if he's going to be stuck like this forever. Like, I wonder if he's going to. Now, he could go the Leonardo DiCaprio route where he finally yeah. gets that role that breaks him out, or is he just going to be stuck being the puppy dog kind see, of? See, that's the thing is DiCaprio would be the ideal track because DiCaprio had that baby face going in Romeo and Juliet, Titanic, things like that. But then he just he didn't take every fucking project that was thrown at him, stayed selective, took time off between movies, only worked with amazing people. Like he went from Titanic to what was it, Danny Boyle and the beach, you know, and he stayed, he stayed small. And he didn't make, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he just worked with the best people. And Matt Damon compared to Ben Affleck did the same thing. Matt Damon only, and you hear him all the time talk about it. Director is the number one thing that sways him into a movie before even script. He's like, I will only work for a creme de la creme thing. And, look, and when you look at his resume, he's touched everybody. Coppola, Eastwood, Spielberg, everything, everything. He doesn't take the Geelys. He doesn't take the Fairly Brothers movies. He doesn't take the dumb That's stuff that Affleck did. He did stuck on you with uh Yeah, he did early, stuck on you. early. He learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. <laughs> well, no, no, but um, he also has a sense of humor with himself that I think helps sure. him too. Because like he'll make oh, he, a he'll make a he'll make a cameo kim- in He does the Kimmel stuff, you know. What, what was the thing he did um he, he made it, it was hilarious. I think it was Euro Trip oh, Inter- or Road Trip. Oh, Interstellar. Well, no, I don't know about Interstellar. It's one where it's, it's one of Euro those trip, yeah. it's Euro trip where he's like playing the punk rocker who's like, Danny didn't sure. know or whatever. Like, yeah. like he, he knows how, like, I, I remember he was in an episode of Entourage where he's making fun of himself as kind of, sure. like the, you know, like he has a good sense of humor to be like, but kind I don't of take think, that identity down, you know? But I say all that because Affleck has let's just say it range now. Well, he's also matured now that he's, he's righted his ship and he now has the age and the range to play. He can play the funny guy. He can play the serious guy still, which is great. Um, DiCaprio has proven he could do anything he wants to do. And Holland 
is doing the Ben Affleck thing where he's taking everything in the whole wide world just to see what sticks and have fun. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think that kid has the range. And, and that's why I've been citing the idea of adult charm. When you've, I mean, Fred Astaire is, yes, he's masculine and feminine in, 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 a, in a mixed way where, you know, the dancing and the gentleness, that's a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, and, and, but he's still a man. Like he's got a fading hairline for goodness sakes. Like he's, right. he's an older gentleman out there with younger women like Ginger Rogers. And that was just the era in the times. And if aging Tom Holland is anything like that dumbass meme we keep seeing of the bad teeth and the mustache and cherry, he doesn't have it. All right. You can age Matt Damon up and it would work. You can age DiCaprio up and it would work. You can age, even age Matt Damon. You can't age Tom Holland right now. He's going to need to, He's just got that eternal baby face where it's going to take so- something else, the right role, the right situation, facial hair implants. I don't know. Like I, Haley Joel Osment can grow a beard like a, like a lumberjack now and look like the guy from Home Improvement. <laughs> but but even even him ran out of juice in terms of what he can do. Hayden yeah. Christensen has a baby face where he tried the – Hayden Christensen might, actually might be a good comp where – he has never really lost the baby face despite having an octave lower voice than Holland. Yeah. But but he hasn't we haven't seen an adult Hayden Christensen part in a while either. So but, yeah. but yeah. Hayden's coming back. He's coming back and he's gonna be he's gonna be Darth yeah. Vader again. So God, you're one of those people, Rachel. Can't wait. But hey, Holland <laughs> Holland's gonna be a challenge. I am one of the Star Wars people. Now, to be fair, yeah, Hayden Christensen was the weakest link in the prequels. I feel like Agreed. Adam Driver in the new pre-, pre sequels, whatever we're calling them these days. I feel like Adam Driver did with Kylo Ren what I think Hayden Christian was trying to do with mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker. And- you know, I so we don't tangent too much, but I will comment on that. Like, there's one thing I've noticed about intense actors. There's one thing I did like about Hayden Christensen in episodes two and three. He had an intensity to him. He just needed Agreed. a better director. Like, yes. because if you if you watch old DiCaprio movies, and here's another one, old Brad Pitt movies. Yes. So those are great yes. intense actors. Mm-hmm. When they don't have the director to rein them in that young, mm-hmm. they 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 feel a little bit like they're acting, you know, like and yeah. but they're still like you can't you can't deny the eyes. Yeah. You know? And but I think who's, who's raining in Tom Holland? Because if well, it's the Russo brothers, it's not strong enough reigning. Yeah, yeah, they're not doing it. I, I, you know, and I, I when think is not doing and, it. Mark Wahlberg's not going to teach that kid anything. I mean, he's not learning anything. Who's, who's direct? Who's directing the Fred Astaire movie? Because my take on oh, the Fred Astaire movie question. is, I think it could work because he does have background in theater. He does have dance background. Like, I mean, you know, Zendaya, she also came from like the mm-hmm. theater world as well. So I feel like there's versatility there for both of them um but generally speaking i mean like not to get off on another tangent but it's like you know does nicole kidman really look like lucille ball and you know being you know being the ricardos or whatever yeah Mm, and you know not so much but Mm -hmm. you know you can do stuff with makeup and you can do stuff with physicality and i feel like if he can if he can amp up the physicality um yeah here just to update the update the cite, citation here holland is working script unseen at this point with this movie only the producer yeah, Amy pascal signed this up no director no script i do not, not see that. a director at this point yeah yeah um you know it's funny because 
physicality can get you a long way. I know this is I'm, I'm all about making weird comparisons. Uh, me and Don aren't huge Mark Wahlberg guys, but no. um, I like him in in, in places. Mm-hmm. Um, one movie I love Mark Wahlberg in is the Planet of the Apes remake. By oh, uh, shut the fuck Tim up. Burton. No, no, listen, listen, listen. listen. No, 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 listen, 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 listen. This is how far physicality can get you. What I really like about that movie is okay, unlike a lot of brawny, perfect, I use quotations, heroes, in that movie, he gets his ass kicked the entire time by all of the apes. And what I like about it is his performance is very physical. He's getting thrown around, he's crashing up against things, he's getting his butt whooped constantly. And I like that physicality. Like, I like the fact that he has, like, a little bit of a phys- – like, not only is the actor and or the stunt performer, like, going all out a little bit, but it adds to the character being in peril. And I thought that was a cool thing. Not, so not, when, he, not when he gets up every, after every beatdown looking still as pretty as Mark Wahlberg. That's true. That's get, true. Like, no. He, like, he, no, the movie's it's terrible. Great. The yeah. movie is terrible, and Tim Roth is the only redeeming thing about it. But I like Thank Mark you. Wahlberg That's in fair. it because I like – I like the physicality. So I guess it depends right, on, right. are you trying to get to, yeah. are you trying to get a, let's see, a Rami Malik thing where it's more, you've, aced, you've yeah. aced the imitation, but mm-hmm. obviously not the voice, or are you going to go for it? Rachel <laughs> will love this. Are you going for the rocket man thing where, yeah, maybe yeah. Tamson Egerton doesn't look like Elton John a lot, but he knows how to sing like him and move like him. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? So I guess it depends on what you're going for with this. Uh, uh, this I mean, I, I, and like, and I know that like, you know, Rami won the Oscar for, you know, playing Freddie Mercury and that's all good. But yeah, t- I, I feel like Edgerton was completely robbed. I, I, and I feel like Rocket Man was a better view because I feel like Elton John was okay with sharing terrible mm-hmm. things that he did and how he treated people versus Freddie Mercury's been dead how many years and yeah. of course we don't want to speak ill of the dead and we want right. to and, but also the original members of Queen people. the surviving members of Queen stewarded yeah. that movie and made it a puff piece mm-hmm. to make them look good yeah yeah, I mean, it was it's basically like, do you want do you want behind the music on VH1 or do you want like the actual like you know I'm with the band type yeah. situation? So you know, meets Moulin Rouge because you know it's very it was very kind of whimsical and amazing. Um, yeah, so I don't. I mean, I I I I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt just because I will oh, sit okay. and watch his, uh, you know, lip sync battle of Rayana's <laughs> umbrella for the yeah. end of time. It, um, it, it, timing, <laughs> timing will be everything for him because uh-huh. you can get into, and I actually recently watched this, and I know that Don likes this movie, but you could get into the Meg Ryan situation. Uh, I recently watched In the Cut uh, mm. with Meg Ryan. The problem with that film was Meg Ryan waited too long. To bust out of the Meg yeah. Ryan-ness. Yeah. Yeah. So even though she's really good in that movie, she's really good. It, yeah. It it took her like she had to get like, you know, fully naked and like had mm-hmm. to like kind of change her personality and her like, you know what I mean? Like she had to go through a complete transformation mm-hmm. to get you to buy that she's not Meg Ryan. 
Right. You know what I mean? And it was and, a big risk too, because her yeah. career has not recovered from that. And no, it has not. But it, yeah. but you but if you if you get any of these agents to ask a Chris Pratt or a Tom Holland to do something that ballsy and daring, they'll never let them sign the dotted line. They're too much yeah, of cash and, cows in what they are. And, and going back to the Ben Affleck example, what a lot of people forget is when he was making his comeback after the Geely days. Mm-hmm. His fir- the first film in the comeback. There's always everyone always remembers like the big thing with the reconnaissance and all that, like the big films he made. But there's always small steps. Uh, Affleck did two films real early before he started getting to the Argo stuff. He did a movie called Extract, which was uh, directed by Mike Judge, who, who created Beavis and Butthead and Silicon Valley and all that. And that was he played basically like this. It was a supporting role, and it was him as like this bearded stoner. Like, completely different from what you're expecting. And then he did a drama as a supporting character with Russell Crowe called um, State of Play, which is a remake of a British show. Yeah, yeah. And what it did is it it added, it, it, it let you wash the taste out of whatever you thought Ben Affleck was. Mm-hmm. Because he played two completely different roles there. And then, you know, and then he started getting directing roles and he started making commercial films and started making independent films and he made the steps. So it's all about timing. You can go the Meg Ryan route and you're screwed or you can go the Ben Affleck route, take a couple hits on the chin. We were talking about Leonardo DiCaprio taking his time, picking his projects. That's right. Take a few on the chin, be a supporting actor in a couple things. People forget like the money pictures that Matt Damon made were the oceans films where he was like the third or fourth string. Like he wasn't the star of those films, so. You but know, here goes uh, Tom. But here goes Tom leading Uncharted. Leading no, no, that's what I'm saying. He's going to lead Fred he, he's and swinging okay. for and the fence. Okay. Go ahead and cash your check while you can. Of, oh, sure. But but the problem is if you keep making these projects that fail, and then you're only succeeding at Spider-Man, you're going to get in the Hemsworth territory where it's like no matter how many, no matter how much. In well, the the problem with Pratt is that he just keeps making hits. That's the problem. Even when they're not good for him, he yeah. keeps making hits. So that's the difference. It's like when yeah. you look at like a Chris Hemsworth, made some interesting projects. I'm not going to say they're great, but he made a couple Ron Howard films that were like Rush and Rush is solid. Michael, Michael yeah. Mann is Black Hat is pretty solid. And uh, I, I never saw Heart of the Sea or any of that stuff, but like it's Ron Howard's and blah. But, um, you know, like they tried to, you know, put him in that different mold. Like let's like, let's let him work with big directors and let's let him do mm. this stuff. But unfortunately they just can never hit and no one can buy that personality. And I just really, I just, in, in essence, I'm just afraid that's what's going to happen. Well, and with Hemsworth, oh. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to fight you on Ghostbusters because I'm always going to fight people on Ghostbusters. I liked him <laughs> in it. I, mean, I, I, think, I think though, I think him being hysterical in that movie is the only reason that Thor got to get his like, comedy glow up i agree you because before that it was kenneth Branagh, which we love sir ken he is amazing um but thor doesn't always need to be you know shakespearean so i love that we've been able to shift tone in the mcu because you know hemsworth like was given the chance to be hysterically wonderful in ghostbusters Now, another example, you know, you're, you're talking about, well, Leo and this, I'm kind of thinking maybe Tom Holland's in this weird space, like with, you know, like, so Matt Smith played the doctor and he was like the youngest actor to play the doctor on Doctor Who. And mm-hmm. after he left, he went and he did some like indie film that I feel like nobody saw. And then he went and did American Psycho 
it was either on Broadway or West End. Someone's going to clock me for that. Um, and, you know, and then he was like in a, ter- he was in like one of the Terminator movies that may or may not The bad one. Yeah. A bad one. A bad one. Yes. A bad but, one. But then he gets, he gets on The Crown and plays yep. Prince Philip yep. on Netflix. He got an Emmy and- for it too, didn't he? And um, he got nominated for an Emmy. He didn't win. Okay. So it's kind of like, he kind of had to like bounce around and find where he needed to be next. And maybe that's kind of what's going to happen with Tom Holland. Like, I mean, we can't, we can't all be Hiddleston. Okay. Like we can't all be uh, perfect. <laughs> well, like, well, no. And, and and that's the thing is that's the other thing. That's the Pratt problem is that he's just going from less charismatic uh, superstar or, or superhero action so he goes from Star Lord, who's a very effective character, and I will go to bat for Star Lord as definitely. To me, he's yeah. a Han Solo, Indiana Jones. To me, I think he's that okay. effective. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So then he goes to Jurassic World, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, he's the, the hero, time. but he doesn't have any real character yeah. or funniness. And then you start getting to, even though I like this movie, uh, what was it called, Tomorrow War or whatever? Like, oh yeah, I mean so that's even counter, that's yeah. even that's even dumbing it down more because it's like. Now you're just getting like generic Chris Pratt action hero, you know, might as well be Chuck Norris at that point. You know, it's just not really <laughs> like there's not really a lot to it. But back to Spider-Man, because I want to connect this because uh, yeah. we've we've gone off on a huge tangent. But um, when we're talking about Don was talking about, um, you know, you're worried about where this is going with I am. Uh, no, no Way Home. Here's I can think of four or five moments in the MCU where I thought, no way this is not going to work. And Feige has pulled it off, which is why I always say in Feige, I trust to me, he's 30, and zero at this point, even age of Ultron, which I hate, he's 30, and zero. I think he's, you know, he's found a formula. He knows how to subvert expectations. He delivers. Okay. But mm-hmm. Rachel was just talking about the first Thor with Kenneth Branagh. I remember, you know, you're seeing Iron Man, very grounded, like an Iron Man two to a point. Credible Hulk kind of grounded. Like it was kind of in a couple different countries, but still kind of grounded on Earth, you know? Right. And then, and then, um, well, Captain America came after, but um, so you got those. And then suddenly it's like Thor. And I was like, hmm, Thor. Gods. You know, how is a mm-hmm. god going to mix in with Iron Man? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so that was doubt number one, pulled it off, made it mm-hmm. without a hinge. I never had a problem with the first Thor. I think it's a great film. Um, I, I, I do too, but it's just it's yeah. very, very serious, and the, a yes. lot of MCU in the beginning was very, very serious, and then you had you know Josh Whedon come in and kind of give us the humor that he's known for, and then the Russo brothers were able to pick that up and keep it going, yeah. but you know kind of shift it and then kind of pull all the strings together in the end. Um, right. But yeah, like I, like I, I don't hate it, but like. I, I feel like the second one was also very serious. Way and, then serious. Fi- and then finally we get to like the perfect Thor movie, you know, which is Ragnarok. And mm-hmm. it's just hysterical and a blast. And you've got, you know, and you've got like new characters running around in that one. And, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. So anyway, um, I, and, and maybe that's kind of what the Spider-Man movies. Are oh, yeah. That's lacking that's what... because because there is kind of the seriousness and kind of the the iron man jr vibe going on i mean I, I i don't hate that either i do i do feel like that needs to get wrapped up in this one for sure like oh, yeah please 
Well, that's what I was. Well, that's what I was saying is, so you had Thor first, right? And then I was like, okay, they pulled it off. They found a way to do it. Okay. Yeah. The next one was Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to think a talking uh, a talking tree and a raccoon are going to fit in with Iron Man. And they pulled it off. And every doubt that's come up, they have found a way to, they have found a way to make it work. So, though I am nervous, perhaps that we're going to get all these mixtures of things. I actually don't think, okay, let's go back to, uh, I don't know if we released, did we release the Ghostbusters episode yet? I don't even know. Yes, if we, we have. Okay. We should have. I think so. That was a movie where it, there's too much like winking. Mm-hmm. I, like, like remember this, you know, I, I don't uh, red letter media. I love those guys. They were talking about how, like how Ghostbusters afterlife is kind of like the Chris Farley skit from SNL where he's like, Hey, remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> like That's kind of what that movie is. And um, I don't think like, I don't think like this is, I don't get that like cash grab thing. Like I don't think they're putting in green goblin and doc Ock and electro and, mm. And all these, I don't get that feeling that they're doing that just to appease fans or make that fan service. I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't. I think that they will. Feige will find a way to make it work. I'm going until he fails. He's yeah. thirty and zero. I, until he fails, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I admit I am fully prepared to be ready for the "I told you so" because I've been harping on this since since Wandavision in the circles that I'm in, or I'm very okay with eating crow and being happy that this all turned out because the time travel aspect of Endgame was something that is once you go there you're jumping some sharks and it just becomes really silly and convoluted, and now that you've dove into this multiverse thing. You're doing the shit that DC and the CW does that really makes them look silly. Marvel doesn't need to do that. You have great, great stuff. Why even yeah. go there? I'm, it, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready for either one. I'm ready to be. I told you so, and and thump all my bullshit Bibles, or I'm ready to eat crow and be. And I mean, I'm, I'm ready. Give me a fork. I'm ready. But I mean, until if then, nothing else, and if nothing else, it finally puts to bed. You know, all of this. You know, from a studio standpoint, like the Disney slash MCU slash Marvel um, fighting with Sony business, you know, mm-hmm. because that's been going on for however long. And you I know, get like why. Have- if I'm Sony, I keep that character, too. It's their I'm cash cow. But hey, they're, they bought it first. So that's technically, right. they own it. and I mean, and I don't I don't ever know when we're going to see like I'm more mad. You know, you brought up WandaVision. I'm more mad about the fake out on X Men because you know we got we got you know Quicksilver, but it wasn't oh. that Quicksilver. The other <laughs> right. one. But then it was. But then it wasn't. I mean, like yeah, yeah. We're starting to troll more often than like, we all realize are willing to admit. You? Like, how dare you? So, like, my hope, you know, I'm kind of with Will. I mean, like, Guardians of the Galaxy was the moment that I realized that DC would never catch up with Marvel. Because mm-hmm. we got Howard the Duck reference, and we've got a fucking <laughs> raccoon, which is like what Bradley Cooper, and we've got a tree, which is yeah. you know like oh my god. Anyway. Well, even, well, even even look at DC right now, where in the time span since Justice League, and you know I know they had to do the Justice League Zack Snyder fix up stuff, which fine, but in the years since Justice League, look to get to 
Flash, Flashpoint, which is their multiversy bullshit thing coming. Mm-hmm. Which uh, don't get me wrong, I'm going to be front row seat to watch Michael Keaton attempt to do this yeah, whole thing again. Correct. Can't wait because that's that's my Batman. I'm the Seth Rogen of the neighbor scene where that's my Batman talking to Zach Efron. <laughs> you know, so and every young person I meet, like guys, Michael fucking Keaton, man, or Christopher Reeve, man, they're like, oh Henry Cavill, yeah, fuck that guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> where I'm at that moment where um, where did I start with this? Um, where. The, the thing is, in the time span since they made Justice League to whenever Flash finally comes out, they've stirred, they've they've kicked up so much mud of trying and trying and trying to correct the bullshit thing that they can't they really build. Have tried. They have they've tried. Re- they've thrown everything at the wall to make stick different Wonder Women, Wonder Woman movies, things like that. They'll finally get to Flash. They've course corrected Shazam and Aquaman, and then look what Marvel's done. Marvel has. De- culminated their their infinity war thing and endgame thing and then they're on what their fourth or fifth show of like slow playing the whole multiverse thing like crow crow ready to be eaten kudos in commitment to the bit like you're yeah. you're going for it and you're building it the right way you're not you're not just throwing shit to the wall to see what sticks well here's another thing this is a unique situation in hollywood like i think people are intimidated by it because i'll see a lot of weird arguments right they'll be like God, Marvel just puts out so much stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, they're their own studio and they just happen to be telling one story. Right. So yes, they put out four movies this year and five TV shows. That's yeah. that seems like a lot, right? But how it much is. stuff does how much stuff does Paramount put out every year? Not I know it's not much. the same I know it's not the same story, but they'll put out sixteen movies a year. You know You've what I mean? Done like sixteen movies in two months and Disney's got them beat. It, 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 no, there's no, a I'm different not, clip. No, 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 I get that. But what I'm saying is, is that like, I think we have to realize that it's just, it's still a studio. They're just making one story as opposed to like another studio that's making 16 different movies. Like it's not that different. I don't know. It's, I'm not saying the fatigue is real and the saturation is real, but they're, they're going to test it. They're going to test. No, no, no. It'll get there. But all I've been saying is I've been reading Marvel fatigue articles for literally 10 years now. Like I I found an article the other day that made me laugh. It was, uh, it was from cracked and it was from, (laughs) it was from 2012. And it said, why it's like, why the, the superhero Marvel bubble is about to to pop. (laughs) And it's 2012. Like four like, years after Iron Man, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and they've been saying that forever, but I don't know at this point. Trust me, mm-hmm. I'm worried about it too, because I love the stuff I eat it up. Yeah. But like, you know, it is going to get to a point where, you know, uh, you know, and I worry about this too. We talk about the ground, the street level heroes, right? Like, you, you can't unshrink the balloon, you know? Well, and, and Ra- Rachel will understand where I'm coming from with this, but, um, the third Ant-Man movie, he's going to be fighting Kang. Like, yep. what that's the hell big, is that? Like, what? Like, how the hell? Like, that's a huge step up from, Oof. like, you know, Yellow Jacket yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah, and just, you know, just hanging out. I mean, yeah, he fought Thanos and stuff, but he was part of the team, and it wasn't just it wasn't just him, but, like, yeah, yeah like, I do get this sense of, like, you know, Shang-Chi is a new hero, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. they, they, in order for Shang-Chi to work, they've had to introduce alternate dimensions and mm-hmm. rings from another part of the universe that right. even and, Captain and, Marvel hasn't heard and of. And powered yeah. him up with magic. Like, he's Shang-Chi's not a street-level hero. Okay, he's got the valet thing and he's got martial arts, but now that you've right. got rings on him, he's not a street-level hero. He's exactly. mystical shit. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And we're we're getting to the point now where you know Eternals. Wanda, huge. Wanda yeah, Eternals is a heroes. huge is a huge thing. WandaVision is messing with reality. Doctor Strange is messing with reality. Yeah. It is getting to the point where like Hawkeye Ooh. is very refreshing because I agree. It's and and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was my favorite series so far, yeah. is great too because it really was. Yeah, there might they might be a uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier might have gone to a couple of different countries, but mm-hmm. like it still felt very isolated to that world. The problems seem really real world and small. Like yeah. Hey, Not an happens? ounce of magic or aliens in it. Yeah, it's like, hey, what happens when you disappear for five years? What happens to your credit? Can you get a loan? Like, like mm-hmm. I like stuff yeah. like that. And Hawkeye is really refreshing, too, because it's kind of like, dude, mm-hmm. like, I saved the world and the universe, and I just want to have Christmas with my family and, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, my old resume, right. Yeah, and so that stuff is – and Black Widow kind of, except for the ending, kind of went back to the ground level stuff a little bit. Um, I think in terms of, like, a – you know, it, it wasn't a universe thing. It was mm-hmm. sure at the end they did a kind of a third act thing where, you know, there's the big giant skyscraper in the sky falling yeah. down. But, but for, the, <laughs> for the most part, it was kind of an international intrigue, kind of like Winter Soldier kind of thing. It mm-hmm. was more grounded. So as long as they keep getting that stuff, but yeah, you're right. Like Shang-Chi is interdimensional and outer space. Doctor Strange, multiversal, outer space, mm-hmm. WandaVision, interdimensional, you know, yeah. and now we got No Way Home, which is going to be bridging universes together from different Spider-Man films. It's, it, it is, a, it's getting a little unwieldy. Like it is, yeah. the Loki is all over the place. There, I mean, there Loki's is, weird. I mean, there is a lot going on, but I feel like, uh, like I've been watching, I've been catching up on the Assembled episodes on Disney+. Plus. Um, now that I've seen mm-hmm. Shang-Chi and a couple other things mm-hmm. and I feel like you know and like what if I mean I feel like what if is kind of a great you know teeing up point for what might happen in you know No Way Home in the sense that things just happen and you just kind of accept them but MCU has also earned them because they've yeah. Been, yeah. they've been telling these stories mm-hmm. they've been pacing them out I feel it's like true. You know, I feel like I agree with Dawn. Like DC is kind of like, oh, we've got to catch up, and they just literally throw everything at the wall, Man. and and stuff may or may not stick, or may or may not work, and they're you know like they're yeah. Oh, and, and I feel that the Flashpoint thing, I feel more cynicism over that than I do this No Way Home. I agree. Like, no I, Way I, Home. I do, too. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. No Way Home. I feel that there's actual love for those characters, and that someone like mm-hmm. a Kevin Feige will make it make sense and make you care about those characters. Whereas with like Flashpoint, it's kind of like, well, uh, let's bring Michael Keaton back. People love Michael Keaton, right? Like that's yeah. kind of what it feels like yeah. to me. And like, like and like, how do you feel? Like Wonder Woman eighty four do anything for you? Does Black I mean, Adam and Dwayne Johnson do anything for you? No, no, no. You know, no. You I, liked Wonder Woman though, didn't you, Rachel? I, Wonder yeah, Woman eighty four. I I loved I loved Wonder Woman eighty four in the sense that if you squint, it is a Jim and the Holograms episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. It, like it, I mean, it, it totally is. Um. And like my thing with Flashpoint is, I really, I really like Ezra Miller as sure, Flash. Me too. I, I think I, he, I, like, I watched, I watched the four-hour cut of Justice League, unfortunately, me too, me and too. he was one of the best parts of it. Yeah, so I'm kind of, 
I will go watch your Flash film, but I am only here to see Michael Keaton. That's the only reason why I'm going to see the uh, Jared Leto Morbius movie is because Michael Keaton's in that too. So oh, is he really? No, I yeah. So he'll, so Victor Toomes, the Vulture. Okay. This is what's confusing about Mo- Mobius. Okay, Morbius, whatever. Yeah is it's a sony product so it technically i think exists in the venom verse i think it does um so well it should also is, exist in the holland verse too well that's what's strange now because there are if i remember i saw a trailer breakdown i think there's some oscor signs mm-hmm. throughout the city but so but if you watch the trailer which i know you didn't don but um, i have not if you, if, if you watch the trailer there's a couple of weird things in it there's one there is the Daily Bugle Western edition that uh, Venom worked for, uh, mm-hmm. Eddie Brock worked for in the Venom movies, there's a poster on uh, in an alleyway of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man uh, <laughs> suit, and it says "Murderer" on it. Oh, which boy. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's referencing is that referencing Mysterio's death in you know Far From Home? Is that referencing something else that? Uh, you know, uh, Toby McGuire did. And then at the end of the trailer, Victor Toomes from Homecoming, the Vulture, is talking to him. And it's oh, like, boy. wait a minute, what the hell is going on? I was like, I have yeah. no clue what's going on in this thing. So is it an MCU movie? Like, I, I, you know, people are calling Venom 2 an MCU movie now because Tom Holland appears in it. I don't know if you hadn't seen it. Sorry, Rachel, but, uh, or if you knew about this, but, but yeah, Venom 2, Tom Holland shows up at the end, pretty much. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's the new scene from Jay Jonah it, that you see at the end of Far From Home. Right, right. And then he licks the screen and yeah. he's like, ooh, I like it, that one. But shut up, Don. Uh, so uh, I like it. But um, yeah, so I don't know if this new Morbius film is going to tie into all this crazy multiversal stuff or if Sony's just given that character over. I have no clue. It's a whole mess. And I am getting a little worried about the unwieldiness. But like I said, Feige's 30 and 0. Yeah. I'm going to give it to him until he proves me wrong. And even if he proves me wrong, I mean, he still gets like, you know, I mean, you can have a few losses every now and then. Right. I mean, hold on. No, like, well, well, yes, you you can have a few losses, but at the same time, this is you, this is still Spider-Man. He's your Mount Rushmore iconic hero. He's your third world countries. Know this symbol spider. Like, can you fuck Spider-Man up? That's the one you probably can't. You could fuck up a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. You could fuck up an Eternal Wonder movie. Woman. Yeah, you yeah, could fuck yeah. up a Wonder Woman movie, but you pro- you kind of can't fuck up a Spider Man movie and, and not show your ass a little bit. So, well, you know, like, this I is mean, some risk. Yeah, like and Spider Man is like you know you've got people my age, and then you've got kids, and mm-hmm. you know like every you've got you know everybody knows Spider Man. You know, everybody knows Spider like yeah. whether or not you've ever read a comic or seen him in the mm-hmm. funny pages you know who spider-man is instantly mm-hmm. period yep so yep. it's just kind of like it's why you can't you fuck it up you know they've talked i read a study somewhere i cannot quote it i do not know where it was from but in terms of in the last and this mcu has something to do with this but in the last i think 10 or 20 years some of the most recognizable uh logos uh, I mean, you have your obvious ones like Nike and Air Jordan and stuff like that, but Superman um, and Batman. It, well, Superman and Batman were, mm. but they've been replaced by Captain America's Shield and Spider Man. Like How they, about that? The, yep. those, okay. so so you're right. I mean, Spider Man is like the 
universal. Uh, yeah, universal. And, and and it's it's getting to that point where yes, like you know, obviously the movie's going to make a trillion dollars because everyone's going to see it. I mean, people exactly. watch the, the the trailer's been watched more than even Endgame's trailer. So you know, people are excited for this. Like I said, I think I said this off the podcast, but like I have never seen. I've seen some people have crazy reactions to end credits or moments in a Marvel movie or whatever, but nothing gets people going like a Spider-Man like end credit mm-hmm. scene or something. I mean, Venom Two, like my the crowd I saw it with was a full house. They kind of they liked it. It was fine. Everyone was enjoying themselves, but everyone lost their shit when Tom Holland shows up at the yep. end of Venom Two, mm-hmm. and and this trailer, people like watch just watch the reaction videos on YouTube and people watching the trailer for the first time. I mean, you've got like people soon as hello, Vader, like that shows up. People are literally like falling off their couch. They're they're falling off their couch. They're running and screaming. They're like, it's, we're at a very powerful moment. So I do feel you like, I feel like we're on the tip of it, like a knife edge. Yeah. Cause it's like, you got the people's attention. Now, can you deliver the goods? Well, and like, you know, and not, not to bring up star Wars yet again, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, what happened in the Mandalorian where, you know, everybody thought they were going to get Luke Skywalker in the last Jedi. And I appreciate, and I love that we got old man Luke. And I feel like he is like the biggest baddest ever in that film. I but agree. I love wanted, old man Luke. But people also wanted to see young Jedi master Luke and God knows, you know, John Favreau fed the people and mm-hmm. like, I have watched many a reaction video. I will not tell you how hard I cried when I did watch that episode, <laughs> but I feel like it's kind of that level of, okay, this is where we're going. You're going to give us like ultimate fan service moment. Yeah. See, that's but, I, but which people it, are ready to criticize for money. Are you doing it for the money or are you doing it because you have love in your heart? And I feel like the Mandalorian moment is like, that is the moment that everyone has wanted to see since they were a five-year-old child mm-hmm. playing with their Luke Skywalker toys in their backyard. Yeah. You know, like that's what they have always wanted. And so I feel like that one felt hard. Bring, yeah. If you're going to bring, if you're going to bring in Tony McGuire and if you're going to bring in Andrew Garfield and every, and everyone's going to come together and it's going to be a thing, then because like people were having emotions over the second trailer drop because there's a thing that happens that kind of references something in Andrew Garfield's era and kind of like you know oh well then this is probably what's going to happen there I'm trying to be respectful and poor poor Andrew doing TikTok boom press for award season just gets Spider-Man questions every four seconds everybody's just like can we talk about Spider-Man we don't we don't and he's like no and he's doing his best to lie but but you gotta be like that's what I said. You gotta be like Cumberbatch. Like just play with it. Like Cumberbatch is getting questions about Spider Man all the time, and he's mm-hmm. on an Oscar campaign right now. Yeah, yeah. He and he's just like he's talking about Spider Man. Like, oh, I love it. I I didn't I didn't finish reading the script, so I could be I wouldn't be spoiled. Like he's he's playing with it. Like he, he's mm-hmm. he, you know so like you know Andrew Garfield is getting like pissed now. Yeah. But I was gonna say real quick, you mentioned that like the other reason why I don't feel too cynical about No Way Home is. Because it's not like they're bringing just the greatest hit characters. Like another thing that was bad about Ghostbusters Afterlife, I talk a lot of shit about that, is they went with all the stuff that was big in the first one and they virtually ignore Ghostbusters 2 and they completely ignore the female Ghostbusters. 
Yeah. See, so, that's wrong. See, now I this agree. one, no way Now, here's the thing. I don't think Garfield is a beloved Spider-Man. No. Electro, elect, Jamie Foxx's Electro is not a beloved villain. No. You know, like, uh, I don't even think the Lizard and Sandman are beloved villains. Yes, no. you got Green Goblin Green. and Doc Ock, but they're bringing these people back for a story purpose. I don't think it's like, hey, remember Jamie Foxx? It's like, most people are like, yeah, I want to forget Jamie Foxx in that movie. <laughs> like, so there has to be some, that's another reason why I'm kind of like, there's, it gives me a little bit of hope that this isn't, because okay. this isn't just cherry picking the best of yeah. the Raimi verse and the Garfield verse. This is opening that stuff up. I, um, I, I feel like MCU is always earnest and I feel like they are always story driven and they are always mm-hmm. focused on that. Even if like we get a lot more story than we were expecting. Um, so I feel like it will be done with good intentions. Yes, yes. Not just to grab money, although they will make all the money. Let's just mm-hmm. be honest about it. That's um, the thing is people forget is you can do both. It's okay to do yes. that. Like, yeah. like I, I've always argued, you know, people are always kind of like, well, they're just doing it for the money. I'm like, well, who wouldn't pass up? If you can tell the story you want to tell and make money doing it, why the hell I not? Know. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like, exactly. who, who would, like uh, another. Here's another music example. Like, people get on Rage Against the Machine, right? Because it's like, well, they're this political band, but they're like part of a major studio that releases their records. It's like, dude, if I'm making music that has a message, and somebody wants to pay me a million dollars to get that message out, I'm gonna take a million dollars to get the You're message right. out. Like, like, why the hell would I not take money just like? there's no sense in the starving artist model. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to suffer to tell your story. Like, yes, these are brand names. These are logos. These are characters. But at the same time, like you can still be driven by art. I mean, like I think in the, in the beginning, maybe not later, but George Lucas wasn't like, he was savvy with the merchandise rights, but he had no idea he was going to create an empire from his goofy little movie that, you know, talked about, uh, you know, thirties and forties serials. Like he had no clue that was going to happen. He just got lucky and struck it rich. And of course he's like, because of course he's like, yeah, I'm going to merchandise the hell out of this because I created these characters, but I'm also going to forego the studio system and make empire strikes back completely on my own from my own money and make my own movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and just reap the benefits of that. There's nothing wrong with it. Marvel is basically saying, hey, we got a hit with Iron Man. We can tell stories our own way. If we make 800 to $1 billion on the way to each movie, what the hell is stopping us? You yeah. know, like, it's, 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 it's people will who, come. Would, who would reject that? I wouldn't. I take it right now. I mean, me and Don are teachers. We make like five peanuts and a couple <laughs> dollar bills. And we, right. love, and we love our jobs. But if tomorrow they said, well, guess what, guys? Um, you're still teaching, but we're going to pay you $2 million a year. I'm going to be like, no, no, no. I do it for the love of the game, guys. No, no. I, I, only, I, only prefer, I only prefer to be a teacher if I get paid dick. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to take $2 million because then I still get to teach. I get to do what I love, and I get paid a lot of money to do it. What the hell's wrong with that? All right. Final Hollandverse thoughts. <laughs> we didn't really talk about Tom Holland. I know we did. <laughs> we love that precious cinnamon roll. Um, I love. Yes, that's the, that's the ending thought I was thinking too. Precious cinnamon roll. No, he's <laughs> he's great. I mean, uh, I think it goes beyond just the brand of Spider-Man because 
Uh, we've all seen the reaction videos, and I was there. I was there at Endgame. I bought my tickets 30 days in advance. I saw one of the first screenings of Endgame, so I wouldn't be spoiled at all. I saw it a week earlier uh, than you. Shut up. And uh, so <laughs> it's fine. But um, I remember sitting in that theater, and of course, you know, Molnir and with Captain America and Black Panther showing up, but nobody cheered louder than when Spider-Man came back. And I think... Absolutely. But I, I think it's not just Spider-Man, because... Let's say Garfield was playing that. I don't think he'd get the same reaction. No, Holland has Holland has a has an emotional stake in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, will, will it be to the detriment of his career? Perhaps, but for now, we're psyched for these movies because you know he's well, in the role and he's good. So mm-hmm. well, and also, didn't he go and like talk to one of the studio executives when there was like a problem going on? Like he scheduled, like he called on the phone and then like scheduled a meeting or something. And like, yes, yes, he talked, did. He, like, he, he re- and like, I mean, he's like, he's a, he's a very young actor. Like that's a ballsy move. So I mean, my understanding, my understanding of that situation was they were going to continue with him, just in the Sony verse. Like, and he was kind of like, dude, we need to stick with the MCU, like in terms of the storytelling, because I don't want to be in another amazing Spider-Man duology or a Venom movie. Like, I want to mm-hmm. be with these guys. And I think he did. I don't know the specifics. I don't know how accurate that is. But I think he did put some bridges together and said, like, look, guys, let's talk about this. And now not only do we get at least one more film, but now they're talking about another trilogy. Morbius might be part of this. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think they, I think artistry is winning out here. All the cinema heads are going to get on me about that, but I think a, a studio is saying, "Yeah, we'll take our cut," but like you tell the better story because we can get a movie that makes a lot of money that sucks, like Venom, even though I like Venom, or or we can get something that's beloved mm-hmm. and makes money, like the MCU films. And that's different because that will last longer. Like, a, like Venom is cheap fun, but you know, agree. Yeah. Like in ten, like in ten years, when you know Disney Plus has probably got like three more apps on my, you know, Amazon <laughs> Fire Stick. Like, am I gonna be like, hey, do I want to watch no, you know, like No Way Home today and like cry my eyes out because of whatever may or may not happen? Like that, you because it's kind of like. In the MCU, like there are certain movies I always like. I always watch the first Captain America movie. I always watch, you know, like I always watch. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like I, I always watch Ragnarok. Um, I always watch, you know, like first Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. movie. Favorites la- favorites last longer than best. They always well, the do. Perfect, the perfect, uh, the perfect summary of that, and we can end on it if you wish. Is Venom too? I am struggling to even remember how that movie ended. Yep. But the Tom Holland appearance, the MCU part of it, I I'm, gonna remember, it. I'm gonna remember that forever. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that is how much that the MCU is imprinted in terms of making something that lasts versus Agreed. making something. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, good capper, man. Yeah, that's what I can do. We're only an hour and 15 in, so... Uh, and, <laughs> we didn't really talk about Holland much, but you know what? Uh, I think we, we covered all, Holland like crazy. I think we we all agree that he's great, right? Yeah, I agree. Cool. So we'll we'll end on that. Precious um, <laughs> cinnamon roll. Yes, that's precious right. cinnamon roll indeed. Um, 
Okay, well, I have to find my script, and hopefully I say it right this time. Okay, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Uh, Rachel, where can we follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at All Back to Front. All Back to Front. Now, also find me and Don on Letterboxd. I think the last episode we're trying to convince Rachel to get in on Letterboxd. Um, you sh- you should. It's addicting. I love it. I know Don. You know I do. I, I'm getting. I'm getting better. I I sprung for the Patreon account this year. So oh, you did. So I didn't. Yeah. I I don't see the be- the difference between oh, being a there pro isn't. and a patron. Yeah. But just but throwing the money know. out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. Uh, kind of like what come, we'll be come doing sw- next come week. Sw- <laughs> yeah. Come swim with the film bros, Rachel. <laughs> come swim with the film bros on Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't encountered too many film bros oh, over there my, myself, um, but you know whatever. But anyways, thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a twenty five YL media podcast. It is brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, so whatever we say uh, can affect. You know, maybe it'll bring Eternals up to 49%. Maybe it'll bring Dune down to 82. Who knows? But we have an effect, people. So uh, blame us or don't. Whatever. I don't care. If you enjoyed this show, we have more where that came from. We have interesting hosts. And that's us. I mean, we say that every week, but I think it's inherent that we're interesting. Mm-hmm. You're but damn the right. Key part, the key part is we have wonderful guests like Rachel and many more coming in 2022. All available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. 